I'm just glad tonight to be back in Bible study again. Let me just thank um, uh, elders-elect uh, uh, Hunt and uh, elder-elect Williams for standing in for me for the last two weeks. They did a marvelous job. They thank God for them for standing in. I was, uh, my wife had eye surgery done, one on one week and the other one on the next week, and uh, I needed to be there to minister to her. Amen. I need to be there. I prioritize taking care of my baby. Uh, you know, look here. We done got old now. Our children are grown. Our daughter's in Ohio. Our son, every time I look at him, he talking about going away. And I'm saying, okay, we've got to take care of each other. That's all we got. We just, you better hold on to me. I hold on to you. Yes, I'm just glad she here tonight. She looking pretty too. Amen. And she can see. <laughs> Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 45. Let's just read together just to get this back in our spirit again as I recap and then launch us forward. Beginning at verse 45. Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 45. When you have it, say Amen. If you're still looking, say, hold up. Amen, amen. Mark chapter 6, they've got it on the screen for you to help you out. Together, immediately he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marvel, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Look at someone else, say, neighbor, I need to handle life's challenges. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, amen handling life's challenges. This is the 12th, the 17th iteration of this message I've been working on, handling life's challenges. And the challenge that we dealt with when we talked about this a few weeks ago was the challenge of disappointment. And if you read that last verse over again, you see uh, the disappointment in them, in Jesus, as Jesus feels disappointed in his disciples because they don't understand. They don't get it. They're walking with him, and they still don't get it. Uh, Jared Von Rod, a great theologian and writer of the, Old Test of the New Testament, uh, uh, exercises this idea of a messianic secret. And he talks about this chapter, Mark in particular, as having the messianic secret, something hidden within it. In other words, when Mark writes, Mark writes uh, plainly for us, if we can understand and pick up on the clues, 
but it would have been in a manner in which those who were reading his writing, if they had any sense of Jewish history and Jewish scripture, and they would have been able to make connections between Jesus and God, between Jesus and the promised Messiah. So he was actually in every passage as you read this, these scriptures, the messages are twofold. It is the message that is being conveyed about, in this case, the miracle that happens, Jesus walking on water, and the message that is being conveyed about how godlike it is for Jesus to be able to walk on the water. So the first message is Jesus walks on water. Second message is only God can do that. First message is Jesus calms the raging sea. The second message is only God can do that. Third message is Jesus is able to make others walk on water. Different passage, same idea, same story, but only God can do that. It is in this duality of thought that is always pressing out that Mark wants us to catch hold of an idea about God, an idea about Jesus' place in the divine trinity that you and I need to hold on to. I suggested and I still hold to the fact that Jesus is disappointed because these persons here have not, who are the closest to him, yet don't know who he is spiritually. So they don't understand his purpose in the world or how what he is doing practically works towards that purpose. Because see, if you don't know what liable to misuse it. You know, if you've never seen a hammer, you, you're liable to take a wrench and use it to bang in nails. I know some people who you would automatically assume would know how to use certain uh, items for gardening and working, but, but if they've never done it before, you'll find them doing some crazy stuff out there. You, you'll find people trying to make wrenches out of things that are not wrenches. So you say, hand me a wrench, and they give you a pair of pliers. Now somebody in here, you caught that right away. Someone else is trying to figure out what's the difference. I use my pliers as my wrench. Just squeeze harder. It's interesting, and it is the fact that they don't quite get him as Messiah. Remember now, they're looking for the Messiah to come, but they're actually looking for a natural earth realm phenomenon. God gave Israel a king, but it wasn't God's first choice for Israel to have a physical embodiment king. God wanted to be Israel's king, and he wanted it to be a theocracy with the spirit of God at the head of Israel. Israel looked around at what everybody else had and the governments running them and they wanted a king or physical embodiment. That idea of the necessity of a physical king and a physical kingdom comes down through scripture. So that as they're looking for Messiah, they're not looking for a spiritual reign, they're looking for a natural reign 
They're not looking for a spiritual king. They're looking for a natural king. They're not looking for a spiritual kingdom. They're looking for an earthly kingdom. So everything Jesus does is really in contradistinction to what they have set themselves up to look for and desire. So as they want to actually pull him in to the natural order, he is trying to pull them in to the spiritual order. They're trying to pull him into the flesh. He's trying to pull them into the spirit. They're trying to pull him into things that are carnal. He's trying to pull them into things that are supernatural. Because sometimes you and I get caught up with only that which we can taste, touch, feel, and sense. And we lose out on what God is actually doing. In, in truth, God's invisible kingdom is greater than any one kingdom because God's invisible kingdom does not know borderlines. And there are no walls that you could build to stop God's kingdom. God's kingdom is greater than any wall on any border in this nation, no matter who builds it. God's kingdom is greater than any ocean that separates places and kingdoms. God's kingdom reigns throughout the world. You know, sometimes when you think limitedly to a geographical location, you actually put limits on progress. You know, one of the things that you learn from Amazon, Amazon, uh, when they began to build their, their enterprise of allowing you to buy things online as that platform of the internet was lifted up, one of the things Amazon was smart enough to do is to say, we go anywhere. So there's Amazon America, and sometimes if you're looking for something, you look and you say, you fool around and you done went off, and you in Amazon Britain. You in Amazon Canada. Because see, they don't, they don't see their market as an American market. They see their market as a need-based market. I was uh, talking to a gentleman the other day who said that he saw his church only in the sense of the local area that it was in and he was trying to define that local area and I said well I, I don't have that mind I, I would rather prefer to see my our, our ministry in Shiloh as as a Walmart rather than a local local store because if you're just a local store you stuck to the neighborhood you're in but Walmart doesn't build in neighborhoods they build in regions so I'm looking at the 17 towns and cities around us. I'm looking all the way to Rhode Island. I'm not worried about what's in the seven geographical miles of this area here. What one has to understand is God's reach is greater. So how is it now that he has to deal with this disappointment? First thing I told you last time we were together, he deals with disappointment, number one, he resets himself. He resets himself. And I said he, did, he does that in privacy. He resets himself. And I want to suggest to all of you in your life, in order to deal with disappointment, no matter what it may be, you may have to reset yourself. You know, sometimes when your expectations are high and, and what you receive is low, you got to reset yourself. You got to get yourself back in position. 
And I suggest that the reason why he pulled back from the crowd, even sent away the inner court, those disciples, was that he needed to reset and he could not do that with others around him. He needed some privacy time with the Father. He just needed to spend some time. I need some alone time. And let me say this, I, I've said it before, but I, I, I am a firm believer that Heather Headley has a gospel message. Now y'all just missed it. Y'all said Heather Headley. Yeah, Heather Headley has a song, I need some me time. Not some him, not some her, but some she time. Every now and then, you need to learn how to take your me time. That's not a matter of being selfish. It's a matter of being safe. It, you know, matter of fact, tell you the truth, if I didn't withdraw sometime, y'all liable to hear me say something I wouldn't say. See, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a profanity kind of person, but when I'm tired, I get silly. That's, that's, that's my kind of tired. I'm tired, I get silly. So when I get too silly, they say, Bishop, I think you might want to go on to the office. Because you... <laughs> I'm not going there. Y'all ain't going to make me say nothing I'm supposed to say. Listen, it's, but you have to understand, you have to pull back in order to make progress. So he resets himself in privacy. He goes to pray. Number two, and, and I'm, I'm not going to redo these points, I'm just going to put them out because I want to focus on the third point, which I shouted on last time and couldn't explain. So the, the second thing is he restores himself. So he resets himself by going to be private. He restores himself through prayer. See, just getting some me time is not Me time apart from prayer time is just alone time. If you're not praying, you're not capitalizing on the relationship with God. See, your power is not in you. Your power is in God. Your power, your victory comes as being at the foot of the cross. If you're trying to hold on to your power by virtue of yourself, you're going to get weak. But in prayer, I re-energize myself. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, some of us right now, we used to have some, some old, some dynamite early morning prayer times. And uh, some of y'all were younger then. Getting up was a little easier. Uh, but, but some of y'all have, have gotten slack in your prayer time. We, we're almost back. Well, some of us need to go back to the Brother Lawrence seven minutes with God. I saw one church, they, 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 and, and they're doing the right things. They just want to get people to pray. So I'm not downing when I say it. They, they asking people just to pray for one minute. 60 seconds. Nowadays, half a commercial. You can't even read the news without a commercial coming on now. <laughs> Listen, 60... Look, we have got to get back the power and joy of praying. You know, the old folks said it best, much prayer. See, y'all don't even know the cliche no more. We don't say it enough. 
Come, some of you old folk, and I know you old folk in here. Much prayer, what? Much power. Little prayer? Little power. No prayer? No power. And some of us are trying to go around with no power. I don't know about you, but uh, if you have any kind of smart device, you know what I'm talking about. When that battery says 20%, now, when it's a new item, 20% may mean you got another 10 minutes. But the older it gets and the more times it's been recharged, 20% means run for power. That's all that means, run. If you're not connected to power, all the goodness that you have in there can't be revealed. And I'm going to tell y'all now, some of y'all got goodness in you that can't be revealed because you have no power. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with what's in you. Nothing wrong with the glory of God that wants to be revealed through you. But you have no power to have a demonstration of what God is trying to do. Preach wise, thank you, I'm trying to. I, I wanna focus now on the third point, and here we're gonna pitch our tent for a while. So I'm talking about dealing with disappointment again, and, and the, the first idea of dealing with disappointment was what? He did what? He resets himself by what? Privacy. Second thing was what? He restores himself through what? Prayer. But then this next one is interesting. The third way in which he deals with his disappointment is he reveals himself through his presence. He reveals himself through his presence. I want to tell you, saints, every now and then, the God in you needs to be revealed. Oh, so y'all y'all don't y'all didn't even know when your cue to shout. Let me let me say it again. Every now and then the God in you needs to be revealed. Every now and then Clark Kent needs to put his Superman on. Y'all let me see y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it. it. Let me do it like this. See, if you are unwilling to show yourself mighty in God at any point in your life, what you're doing is sitting on what God wants to do through you. So you won't pray because you're afraid that nothing will happen. So you won't exercise your gift because you're afraid your gift's not good enough. So you won't sing because you're afraid somebody might hear you mess a note. So you round there hiding what God has in you, walking around feeling full and frustrated because you won't let what's in you be revealed to those that don't know you. For walking right alongside of you. See you have a gift in you, but they can't see the gift in you because you are hiding your light under a bushel. Sometimes the 
only way for me to get over my disappointment is to allow God to be revealed in me. Y'all, let me see if I can work with this. Because see, you, Jesus says, I, I realize you still didn't get it when you saw the fish and loaves. So let me help you now see a little more God in me. I want you to tie me closer to the divine. I want you to reckon me closer to what God is. I want you to see the supernatural being exercised in me. And as I reveal it to you, you can see the glory. So let me tell you something. God wants to reveal his glory in you. Stop hiding. Stop being afraid of what God wants in you. I don't hit every note when I sing. And as good as these musicians are over here, they don't hit every note when they play. But I'll declare for goodness, I'm going to try. I'm going to give God my, oh. Because see, I've seen God heal while I was singing. I've seen God deliver in the midst of a song. I've seen the supernatural take place while the voice was coming out. Because it's not the volume of the voice. It's not the clarity of the voice. It's the calling forth of the anointing and the revelation of the Holy Spirit being endued upon the people of God. It ain't in the key. It's in the kingdom. It's opening up a window to the kingdom. The more you walk in your anointing, the more you open up a window to the kingdom. The more you open up, well, let me see if I can make it clear. If people can't see the kingdom, it's because kingdom dwellers are not revealing the kingdom in their life. Jesus said, I want to reveal to you the kingdom greater than yourself. That you can know the power that you can walk in and exercise and carry out. That you can live in this dunamis power. This, and you can have this exousia to exercise it, to bring it forth, to have it revealed through you, in you, and with you, and by you. So he reveals himself in his very presence. In his very presence, in his very presence. I, I, let me talk to a parent in here. Have you, ever, have you ever had a child acting up and all you had to do is walk in the room? You've been watching them all along. They didn't know you were watching them. But the moment you walked in the room, things changed. Why? Because you revealed yourself. And the moment you revealed yourself in your authority, things changed. Sometimes people need a revelation of what God is doing. Some things need to be revealed. Jesus says, let me, let me reveal myself to them. They're down there. Now watch what the scripture says. The scripture says they are struggling and toiling and Jesus sees them from the side. He's on the shore. Now you got to get this here because unless this is a bright moon and that moon is gleaming on that water, 
I don't know how you see from the shore to the middle of the water unless you're seeing supernaturally. Y'all about to miss something here. Let me help you right here. Have you ever not been there but knew something was wrong? You could sense something's out of order. You could say, my child, I need to let me give, let me give, let me give my child a call. Something's wrong, something's not, something not order. Something's wrong, something, something is not there. Why? Because you can see them through the heart. See, see, when they cut the umbilical cord, they don't cut the heart. And let me, let me help you here. And, 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 since, and since they don't cut the heart, I don't care if you didn't birth them. If you love them strongly enough, your heart will be as mended and attached to them as though you birthed them out your own womb. Here's, here's, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. So Jesus reveals himself. I got A, B, and C in this revelation of Jesus here. This is how he deals with disappointment. A, he reasserts his preeminence. He reasserts his preeminence. That he is superior. That he's a God above every God. He's the name above all names. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of our praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. How great is our God sing with me how great is our God oh see how great how great is our God okay, okay. let me let me Here it is, here it is. He, the scripture says, this is Mark chapter 6, verse 48. It says, he came to them walking on the sea. He came to them. This is the demonstration of his power. He's walking on the sea. Write, write this down, Job chapter 9, verse 8. Job chapter 9, verse 8, and Job 38, 16. Job 9, verse 8 says, He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. 
of the sea. Lord, help us. Job 38, 16 says, have you entered the springs of the sea? Or have you walked in and searched of its depths? He says, I need you to know that only God walks on seas. Jesus says, I, I need to reassert my preeminence. You, you need to know who you're dealing with. This ain't no magic trick here. You need to know who you're dealing with. This, this, is, this is God's son here. You, you need to know who you're dealing with. I am the Logos. I'm the word made flesh. I've come to dwell among you so that you can behold the glory of the living God. He reasserts his preeminence. He, he says, I, you need to know who I am. You, you need to understand that the God that is in heaven that you worship is the same God dwelling in me now. God is in me. I, I wish, I wish you knew. I let me, let me help you right here. I'm gonna bless your socks off. Look at somebody now and say, neighbor, stop looking outside yourself for God. He's in you. No, 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 no. You you miss it. You miss it. He's already in you. If you're a born-again believer, he's in you. If you're a living human being, he's in you. The real problem is allowing him to control you. Control must be surrendered. It will not be taken by force. He's in you. He wants to, you, you, every decision you make, he wants you to make the right one. So you've never made a bad decision that he didn't tell you the right one to make. You can't look back at a bad decision you made without saying to yourself, I knew I should have went the other way. You cannot look at one bad decision without saying, I knew the right thing. I don't even care how trivial it is. Could be a piece of food you put in your mouth. God whispered in your ear already. You know? I need to understand. He reasserts his preeminence, but 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 be underneath this. This is I'm still working on that same point. I'm not. I haven't changed points. I'm doing an A B C underneath it. But the B underneath this point is he reflects his providence. By providence, I mean control. I mean his, his, his providence, his control over everything. And there's something interesting here because he actually wants them to know who he is and that his providence doesn't start here. It's always been there. Yeah, come on with me. It's an interesting passage. You, you might have ran over this part. Because the New King James Version says, and he would have passed them by. Same verse, verse 48. Verse 48 says, and he would have passed them by. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute. He would have passed them by. I thought you said he saw them struggling 
from the sideline, Bishop, then why does the scripture say he would have passed them by? If they were struggling and he was coming to them, why was he walking by them? Hold it. Don't, don't, don't lose that tension for a moment. If they're struggling and he sees them from the side and he comes to them about three or four o'clock in the morning, then why is the text say he would have passed them by? Was that just the disciples thinking that it looked like he was going to go right on past them? Was that just their fear talking? One scripture teaches this way, if you look at it close enough, it says he would have passed before them or passed in view of them. Passed in view of them. Yeah, Bishop, because what he could have given them and what they got are two different things. I'm going to mess with you for a moment. Work with me here. What he could have given them and what they got are two different things. Because if he had passed by them, he could have given them more of his Shekinah glory. They couldn't handle his full glory on the boat. But if he could have passed by them, he could have revealed even greater unto them. I see y'all. Y'all stay with me for a minute. I feel, I feel this right here. Listen, listen. Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. They, they could have had a rock cleft experience. Uh, Exodus 33, 19 says, Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious. And, and I will have compact. Wait a minute, Bishop. What are you talking about? I'm telling you now, when he went past Moses, what he left with Moses was so shaking that his countenance was changed. That he got a word that he never had before. That when he left the mountainside, he had a revelation that he could have never gotten if he hadn't allowed God to pass by him. Let me tell you something. In their fear, they accepted safety and he gave it to them. But he could have given them so much more. Let me, let me work with you here. He, 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 he could have, uh, if you look at Exodus 33, 22 says, so it shall be while my glory passes by that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock cover you with my hand while I pass by. Exodus 34 verse 6 says, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and in truth. Let me, let me, let me work with you. I actually believe that they would have come out stronger if they had allowed him to bless them.
uh, let me, let me, would you, would you do this for me one moment? Would you allow God to be revealed to you? Will you stay long enough in the cleft of God's care to let God show you God's self? Will you stay in prayer long enough? Will you keep your emotions under subjection long enough to let God be God? Now, wait a minute before you get too excited. Remember now, they come from a culture where there are others around them that believe in the jinn, which are, which are demons that actually move. They believe in phantasms, of all kinds of evil spirits and imps. So when they see Jesus walking, they automatically equate him with an evil spirit. And here's what happens to us when Whenever God wants to move in us and for us, our first inclination is to think that the devil's trying to do something and we get afraid of what God is getting ready to do. So we run from the presence of God. Actually, some of you have been in the spirit and tried to calm yourself down instead of allowing God to saturate you because you feared what the spirit might do in your life. God wants to bless you. you. You think we don't have, uh, Mark is trying to allude to something here. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse 11. He says, uh, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. Okay, my, my time is almost up and I'm, I'm been working to this last thing. I'm going to sit myself down. I'm going to be done in a minute here. I need the old I, I need the Every hour I need thee, oh bless me now, my Savior. because the C here is that, you know, even if we're not ready to get the fullness, the loves us enough, even dealing with his own disappointment, that he reassures his people. He reassures his people. Let me say it again. He reassures his people. He, he okay. I, I know, I know, I know you're nervous. I know you're upset. I know you're afraid. I know you're going through something right now. You, you're in the boat of your life right now. And you're rowing like heck because you, you're dealing with so much. But I got good news for you. I came tonight to reassure you that the God that you serve 
if you're not ready for the deeper revelation, he'll still say, I'll get in the boat with you. Which is to say, I'll get in where you're on your level and sit right next to you and take control of everything that has messed you up. I, I'll get in where you need me at. You, you may not, I'm, let me talk to somebody right now. You may not be ready to take the next step, the next move in, in prophetic ministry. You may not be able to take the next step in, in the apostolic movement of God. You, you may not be able to ready to take the next step in worship, but God said, I see where you are, and I want you to know at least you're in the place where I told you to be, because I sent you to the boat, and I put you in the water, which means that I'll show up in the water and take care of you in your situation look, look at verse look at look at verse 50 for they saw him and were troubled but immediately he talked with them and said to them be of good cheer it is i It's not, it's not the same as if I say, uh, you, you know, you walk in the house uh, this morning, I was in my office working and my wife got up after me and, and I, I heard a stern, I heard somebody stern. I said, who that out there? He said, it's me. I, said, I knew the voice. It's, it's her. It's, it's an identification. I, I, I could hear it. No, no, this, this is not just simply an identification. It's me. It's I. No. This, this got a little more juice than a this is I. He says in, in verse 50, it is I, or I am here. Y'all missed it. it it's, it's the same formula of the I am that I am. So that the I am God of Exodus 3 is the I am God standing with his people saying I am I am here I don't don't worry about it I know you think you're in trouble I know you're worried this boat is going down I know you think that everything is over and everything is about to turn upside down but before you lose your mind I'm here Exodus 3.14, Moses said, says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Jesus just said, I am. I, and all I need you to understand before you leave here tonight, I don't care what you're going through right now. I don't care how bad it looks. I just want you to leave here knowing that you're not alone because I am is going to go with you when you leave. Just, just, you, you just need to know it, it, it looks bad, but I am is here. And if the I am God is standing with you, everything's going to be all right. He still is in the business of calming storms. He's still in the business of calming seas. He's still in the business of making a way out of nowhere. All you need to know is I am is here.
And if the I am is here, look at somebody and say, neighbor, I got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. Hallelujah. Come on and give God a praise.